2: Welcome to The Escape Hour. join 94.9,
1: you're with Mark and Fiona.
2: Welcome, everybody. Now, uh, our guest today will be here shortly. We'll be here shortly. We, she's, you know, with the traffic and the, the Australian Open and everything. So we are very excited today because we will be celebrating the gin revolution in Australia with Caroline, who is otherwise known as the Gin Queen.
1: It's really funny, Fiona. I remember growing up, the gin was always considered quite an old-fashioned drink. Um, it was not necessary, apart from a gin and tonic that people might have one on a hot day, it really wasn't considered one of the mainstay um, uh, mixes that people would normally associate uh, with having a good time and in the last few years what do you think four or five years gin has just taken a really interesting upswing it started it off as a really sort of a cheap dirty alcohol then it kind of evolved then it became sort of a very British thing and then it's become so trendy
2: it, it's it's enormously fashionable I mean as I mentioned last week I think when I was in Tasmania there is no less than one hundred and ten different types of gin that is made in tasmania alone um now of course that's not the number of producers Mm. each producer would produce you know multiple multiple gins Mm. so it really is extraordinary and there is not one but Two gin events in Melbourne alone. <laughs> there is Juniper uh, Loser, of which Caroline works on, and we will talk to her about that today. And then there is Juniper Loser. So there is actually two different gin events. And what we're going to be asking Caroline about today is why has gin? What is her reasoning for for why? I mean, I just thought, used to think of gin as something like my grandmother. Yeah, exactly. Would
1: enjoy. It's like tipple, and uh, the explosion in uh, different kind of flavours. Uh, people expect. Experimenting with gins, how they're mixed, how popular they have become with a very young. Audience. Now, you were in Tassie just recently. I was. And uh, you and your partner were travelling around on a motorbike. And he was, it, who was the more gin oriented of the two of you?
2: Well, look, we're both mad gin lovers, mm. but um, Andy intends to make his own gin. So there's a lot of gin tasting going on.
1: Yeah. And what was the the, the, the variety of things that you experienced while you are in Tassie? Because I know it's basically endless.
2: Well, we had a gin that was made with sheep's whey. Oh, that's right. Which was extraordinary. Caroline's here, she's just arrived so we had uh, made with uh, sheep's way we drank gin that had saffron in it, we also drank gin that had uh, a a beautiful blue flower in it that when you poured the tonic into it, it became purple which was just extraordinary Uh, native ingredients are of course a big deal when it comes to uh, Australian made gins another bit of a trend we're seeing in gin at the moment Moment is the rise of pink gin. The first pink gin I ever tried was a British pink gin, actually. Um, I was sitting at a bar in um, Balaclava. And oh, just here in Melbourne? Just here in Melbourne. And Not the northern
1: uh, South Australian town?
2: <laughs> no, good old Bala, um near St Kilda. Yeah. And uh, we were um, offered, oh, I saw a bottle of gin that was pink. And I said, oh, I've got to try that. And that gin is known as Pinkster and it is made with raspberries. And when they serve it, they actually put a gin-soaked sort of raspberry in it. And it was incredible. The lovely uh, proprietor of this particular bar, when we said, oh, my God, how do we get some of that gin? She ordered some for us from her wholesaler. Which is fantastic. So, in my fridge at the moment, I have got purple gin, I have got pink gin, I've got sheep's wage gin, I've got two different Japanese gins, it, and then you just go to the, you know, bottle shop and, and the best, some of the best bottle shops in Melbourne have. A whole array yeah. to keep you Shelves. occupied. Mm. So exploring, um,
1: tasting, learning.
2: That's that's the beautiful thing about, you know, gin. It's just going off. Well, you know who does know a lot about gin? I do know someone who does know a little bit about gin. Oh, Caroline, the gin queen. Hello, Caroline. Hello. How are you? Great, 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 great. Welcome. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And
2: um, I'm sorry about your traffic and all that oh, sort of other fine. business. It's
0: the open. You can hear me clanking mm. bottles. I was trying to do it really discreetly.
2: Um, it's
1: always a welcome, yes, welcome time. Yes, I you might like that, yeah.
0: clanking of bottles to announce my arrival.
1: So... Gin is quintessentially, in a lot of minds, British and you're British as well.
0: Um, I was. I now have my Australian passport. You can have both. (laughs) I know, but I definitely, definitely feel more Australian now. I've been here, this is my eighth year. Right. Um, So yes, it is quintessentially English, but if you go all the way back to the history... Um, the sort of origins of what we now call gin is actually in Holland.
1: Yeah, the Um
0: jenever So, um, which is kind of a bit like if you've never had jenever it's a little bit like taking a shot of scotch and a shot of gin and kind of mixing them together. Yeah, and it yeah. can be very
1: peaty, like yeah, sort of um, all Hollander bolts yeah. and those kind of jenever yeah. um, uh, uh, and in those stone bottles. And there's stone a real tradition. Uh, yeah, to
0: them. it's very. I mean, it's the national drink of Holland and, and Belgium. Yeah, so, like. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's
2: not as
0: nice
1: as these ones you've got for us. (laughs) I I
0: love hearing a little bit about the background
2: of gin. I mean, I think that one of my fondest (coughs) memories of, you know, early days of gin was the idea that it was a a depressant. Remember the uh, My Fair Lady? Mm -hmm. It was the gin that done it. Yes, yes. that famous line—the um, uh,
1: the weeping wine—didn't they call it?
2: Uh, is that what they called it? I I, I yes. do mother's tears ruin. in my gin, mother's yeah. ruin,
1: yeah. mother's, mother's, is,
0: mother's ruin. is another one, <laughs> um, and that's it's really and story. It's very past. dark because um, during the initial sort of gin craze back in the um, sort of sixteenth, seventeenth century, you know, it was cheaper to drink gin than it was to drink beer. Um, and it was really readily available. Um, And actually it caused a huge social um, problem uh, and that led to the, the name Mother's Room because everybody was drinking it. Obviously alcoholism was rife. Children were drinking it. Because the water wasn't safe, so it's, yeah. it's got that kind of really dark. And there's a really infamous um, painting by Hogarth called Gin Lane, yes. um, which familiar with that one. Very familiar. It's very you know that's why gin's so bad. But actually, it's one of the earliest forms of propaganda because the beer producers could see what was happening. Like a threat. And they actually paid Hogarth to do two paintings. So not just Gin Lane. There is actually Beer Street. And guess what? On Beer Street, it's all sunny. Everyone's happy. Everyone's <laughs> looking really good. Everyone's super healthy. On Gin Lane, obviously, everyone's you know their teeth are falling out, falling out and miserable. So mm. that was really, and that was obviously really embedded in our culture that gin is bad. And you've all got friends who go, oh, "I can't drink gin. It makes me cry."
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's just a We don't need friends fears. like that in my life. <laughs> you know, you, you we don't, don't need, need that, that negativity.
0: negativity, you know. <laughs> um, but it's actually um, untrue. There is nothing in gin that will make you cry any more or less than a huge session on any other, any kind other, of any al-
1: other alcohol. Well, at yeah. the end of the day, it's just uh, um, flavoured vodka in a lot of ways. <gasps> it's quite a... Uh, I know for a gin purist, uh, but, but, but yes, in essence, that's in essence, if you it boil really it down. And yes. alcohol is a solution
2: <laughs>
1: from a, <laughs> for many from a, things for a, from a, a chemist's point of view, absolutely, it's a and is a base alcohol uh, yeah. with um, with flavourings added. With yeah. uh,
2: well, I mean, yeah. the thing is uh, uh, that uh, you know vodka is one of the base alcohols that can be used to mm. make gin. But mm. um, and, and today people make gin out of a variety of base alcohols. I've got um, two
0: here that are made using grape spirit, which is obviously quite unique to australia because we're a we're a wine nation wine, yeah. so i really like that that we're not there's not very many other countries that use grape fiona was talking about one that she tried when she was in tasmania that was made Sheep. from sheep's way sheep's way yeah
2: yeah, yeah yep hard and that was really interesting we tried it without knowing that it actually because we just sort of found it while we were waiting for the ferry to mona and we went oh quick new gin let's try yeah. it only kind of when we connected the dots and said Oh, but hang on, you're selling cheese at the mm. same stall that you're selling your gin. And then they were like, yeah, well, the gin's made from sheep's way. And we loved it so much, we actually visited the, their, their Grand, it's um, Grandview, isn't it? Grandview. It was cheese. really beautiful um, little spot. So, Gin Queen, let's take a step back.
0: Yes. How did you get your crown? Where did
1: your interest in gin peak?
0: Um, many, many years ago, a family friend introduced me to uh, gin. And I was obviously one of those novices, same as everybody else. It was probably just Gordon's or uh, Beefeater and tonic. Um, and just really loved it. It was just one of those end-of-the-day kind of drinks. And then when we moved here eight years ago, I was really um, interested in what was happening. I wanted to find something more local, um, and at the time when I started writing about gin which was 2013 which thinking back then it was the same month that Four Pillars launched mm. so when I started there were probably only half a dozen Australian gins that were readily available so brands like Westwinds, Melbourne Gin Company um a couple of other smaller players in New South Wales but nobody that you could really just walk into Dan Murphy's or uh, you right. know a- another bottle shop, um, sorry to <laughs> brand shop and um, That you could just readily say. And people were very mystified. They were like, Australia makes gin? So Mm -hmm. I launched in the December, and I think one of my first events was in February. Um, And people were just incredulous. They had no idea um, that Australia produced gin. And so over the last five years, obviously I've watched um, a gin explosion in gin distilleries, but not just that. The whole Australian distilling industry Mm -hmm. um, just come to life. Um, We've probably got between 85 and a hundred distilleries throughout Australia now. It's it's quite mind-blowing. It's really mind-blowing. And not just gin, but, you know, whiskey and rum. Mm. um, And it's super exciting because those um, companies are obviously giving rural economies jobs and employment, which is... Really fantastic, which is why they need a tax break. But I'll get in my soapbox about that later. So, w- what enables people
1: to set up a, 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 a gin distillery so easily? Because obviously, it's not actually as easy as you think. Well, there's been a mushrooming, so there must be some accessibility to it. So, how
0: does how? I think when Talk through the complexity So I think when we when we suddenly see a new gin arrive to market we forget that generally there's been 3 to 5 years hard work behind that. It you have to go through so many um you know council regulations getting your distiller's license going through the ATO um what is involved in getting a distiller's license? You have to go to the ATO and you right. know pay for a license. So many safety issues, so many right. rules and regulations. So It's a lot of compliance It's a lot of compliance issues, so although we say oh it's a new gin wow how exciting they've just appeared from nowhere actually they haven't you know when i speak to people very early on in their journey usually i won't see their gin for three years
2: wow okay
0: love listening to joy podcasts
1: why not volunteer for our program production team and help us reach a greater audience so more people can enjoy our fantastic LGBTI content? Email me, Pete, to find out more. ppc at joy.org.au Joy 94.9, your voice, your radio station. We are talking gin. Gin has a real resurgence. It's absolutely mushroomed the last few years and we are honoured to be with the Gin Queen. Um, Joy does... in. Uh, endorse the responsible consumption of alcohol we're not trying to encourage people to to over drink their gin but we are learning about how amazing gin has become how it's broadened on the palate and you've brought a couple of gins in for us to have a uh, quick a test drive of. The first one, Green Ant, talk to us about that because that's got an interesting indigenous connection and it then we we'll talk about the um, the diverse use of ingredients that people are Absolutely. exploring. Absolutely,
0: so that's one of the great things about Australian gins. We have so many things available at our disposal that don't grow or exist anywhere else in the world so we're really almost creating a terroir. People can really do some interesting things so I brought the Green Ant gin in from Adelaide Hills Distillery um, Sasha Laforgia is the, the distiller, winemaking background. So he uses grape-based spirit, um, and he wanted to do something that would connect with Indigenous communities um, and really be sustainable about the ingredients that he uh, includes in his gin. It's all very well to use native botanicals, but you need to be, um, you know, responsible and respectful. So um, he uh, got in touch with Daniel Motlop from the Motlop family. Uh, one of our footballers, um, who has a great company called... Which is a a prominent South Australian
1: indigenous family. Absolutely, who
0: has a great company called Something Wild um, that encourages um, indigenous communities to look at the available uh, ingredients they have and sell them on to people. And one of those uh, things that he found was green ants. Now, anyone who lives in the Northern Territory uh, will tell you that, you know, picking green ants off trees and eating them, um, which is so far from my British background, um, they actually do have flavour. Everyone was when I first saw it, everyone was saying, "Oh, it's a gimmick." Um, and I've, I've tried very hard to fish one out for out of the bottle for you, but I couldn't do it. Um, so there's actual green ants in the bottle. There's actually green ants. In go yes, yes. you must go and have actually, a look. There's actually green ants in the bottle, um, and so it's not vegan. So it's not vegan. They <laughs> are you. They are dealt with humanely. Um, the actual sort of, can you see? There's a green sort of sack at the back of the yeah. ant. That is actually where the flavour is, and they taste of sort of coriander, which, as you know, is quite a key flavour to gin. Mm. Um, so, Sasha decided to use that in his in his gin, which is incredible and very rare. You know, it's mm. not. There's a couple yep. of other ant gins in Australia. Um, But that's probably my favourite.
2: From the uh, flavour point of view, it was certainly uh, a refreshing uh, flavour because obviously we are tasting it in the studio without tonic. Watch out, world! Yeah, <laughs> very, very small sips. Very tiny very small sips, sips. Tiny sips. But that allows Baby us to sips. really feel the uh, the actual, you know, the true properties of the of, yeah. um, mm. and flavour, and it is a very refreshing,
0: a uh, citrus citrusy
2: uh, gin. So um, you can take a sip, and it doesn't feel overpowering in that regard. And I haven't had the pleasure of
0: well,
2: of trying an ant yet, but maybe later. I'll try and fish one out for you. I mean, that
0: is the, the good thing. I mean, not very many people taste gin neat. Normally it's with tonic or mm. ginger beer or in a cocktail. Um, but for me, obviously, that's how I try it first. And it's always a really good sign if if someone who doesn't like the selfie and who doesn't taste gin neat all the time, if you mm. can taste it and it's not blowing your head off, you know, good alcohol should warm, mm. shouldn't burn. So I, I do enjoy
1: uh, gin over the rocks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, without any mixes or yeah. lemon or anything. It's some just of the really it higher own. proof yeah.
0: gins work really well that flavour because just opens out some mm. of the botanicals a bit more. Mm. And mm.
1: just the, the, with the dilution of the melting ice, mm. it's just enough of the really mixer. Nice for me. It. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lovely summer summer drink. Of course, you don't have too many of them because <laughs> no, they'll knock you, you over if you're not careful. Responsible serving of alcohol. Yes, but. exactly, <laughs> exactly. That, so. Um, the uh, ants come in from the Northern Territory? They're frozen. And they're sent, frozen, frozen and sent, and sent down. down. Yeah. And then they're uh, distilled in. That's... Uh I guess there's tequila and worms. So it's yeah, not it's a slightly different process.
0: Yeah. There's there's lots of different production processes with gin. So, for example, you could put all your ingredients in the pot, which is where all the alcohol is, mm. and then imagine a kettle; it just boils off all the condensation comes through, and then uh, sorry, all the steam comes through, and it condenses, and that's your your spirit. In Sasha's case, what he does.
1: Oh yeah, the, uh, Adelaide Sasha
0: LaForgia. Yeah, Sasha LaForgia from La Forgier, Adelaide yeah. Stills, uh, Adelaide Distillery, Hills Distillery. What he does is he um, vapor infuses, right? Um, which means the botanicals are held in a basket over the bubbling alcohol, right. and the evap- You know, mm. the the fumes go uh, the mm. uh, vapors go through so Bombay Sapphire is another really famous example of a vapor infused gin
2: right yes I've been reading a lot of articles about gin production Mm. because my partner is going to make some gin (gasps) at home so there's a lot of gin books and a lot of uh, reading a lot of articles about and and the story of Bombay Sapphire Mm. and because a lot of the mass more mass-produced gins don't use the vapor method they are more likely to use maceration
0: is that correct it really very much depends on the recipe. I mean, beef eater has obviously been uh, uh, been made for hundreds and hundreds of years, as okay. has Tanqueray, and they very much stick to the recipe. And there is an idea that because they're established brands, that somehow they're made in a factory and they don't use the same processes. I've been had the pleasure of going behind the scenes at Bombay. I had to pretty much drop everything, no cameras, no nothing. Mm. Um, and I can tell you it's exactly the same. Um, They just have more equipment to taste So they repeat it rather than
1: one big commercial vat.
0: Yeah, there's not... um, They they have huge stills. They're just producing Mm. on a much larger scale. Um, I've also been to the archives in Scotland where all the Tanqueray and Gordon's archives are, and I've Mm. seen the original Charles Tanqueray recipes. And so a lot of how their methods are are just the same. Mm. So... um, Methods, you know, there's, there's one shot, which obviously I'll talk about that with Melbourne Gin Company, fractional distilling, um, where you distill all your botan- botanicals separately and then blend them together, which again is quite a an Australian thing to do because we're, we're a winemaking nation, so... Mm people are used to blending blending mm, flavors yeah. so yeah so is that an
1: innovation that's happened just recently to, to separately um, distill and then blend or not
0: really um bass and flinders which is a very uh, down on the peninsula well it's actually just recently moved to Dramana. they've been blending they blend theirs okay. and they've been doing that for for some time since i think 2009 right um, so it's, it's an established yeah it's an established sort of concept it's just that not very many people do it because it's quite hard and you have to be good at Maths, because <laughs> all the botanicals distill at different alcoholic um, volumes. Ah, so you you know there's a, a lot of work involved. It's not something that I do. So what's
1: the benefit? If it's so laborious, why do they choose that?
0: Because you have greater control. This is my ah. conversations with Andrew Marks at Melbourne Gin Company. He feels he has greater control. Um, there's also if you're doing it on a much smaller scale, if you have a bad batch of a particular botanical if ah. you put that in your, in your still and you do the whole run you've potentially ruined the whole gin run right. whereas if you distill something you think oh that doesn't taste right you've only done it to one botanical you know and, and then you can re-distill that and you haven't ruined your whole gin run mm. Com- very, complex, yes. Yes. Very, very complex, very complex indeed,
2: yeah. and and the different methods. Are, I think it's quite fascinating. And then when you have your botanicals, and then you're adding in other things like cherries or, you know, uh, raspberries and the and the the flavour components to it.
0: It's just uh, it's it, very clever, and we've have some huge talents here in australia
2: let's
1: talk about that after the break because um fiona's was talking about raspberry we've we've got some um, interesting flavors i want to talk to you about the depth and breadth of the different kind of flavors that you've been experiencing and how we can make them into summer drinks because gin's a perfect summer it, is. it sure is you're Joy 94.9 this is the escape hour i've missed my favorite show on joy what do i do what do i do <laughs> Podcasters, true battle! Joy Podcasters fight on tirelessly to bring you the best bits of every show. So if you've missed something recently on Joy, don't worry, our podcasters have your back. Head to joy.org.au and click on the podcast tab or look us up on iTunes. Podcasters on Joy 94.9, fighting tirelessly for your listening pleasure.
2: We just tried the really, really incredibly delicious Melbourne Gin Company's brand new gin, Caroline. Who is the Gin Gin Queen?
1: Queen. Yeah, today we're talking about gin. It's a perfect summer drink. It is probably the most fashionable of spirits being used all over town. We do endorse, as Joy 94.9, the responsible consumption of alcohol. We're not encouraging people to get boozed up, but we are asking people to consider um, exploring gin more this summer, and we're with the Gin Queen, Caroline.
0: And support their local Australian distillers.
1: That's the thing. You've been picking up that there are a lot of interesting small Australian businesses doing interesting things with gin. Um, looping in with Indigenous uh, organisations, using native products and you were talking about one of the um, uh, gins that you uh, brought in for a summer had Leatherwood
0: Honey as part of it. That's the, the New Melbourne Gin Company gin. So Andrew is one of our um, well, he's a fantastic winemaker. He makes Genbrook Wines. His family were one of the first. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you not know that? There you no. go. Fantastic fact for the day, Fiona. Um, <laughs> his family were one of the first to play plant vines um, in the Yarra Valley. So he's extremely experienced uh, winemaker, makes Wanderer wines as well. So he launched probably in 2011 his original gin, um, which is called Melbourne uh, Melbourne Gin Company Dry Gin, and very much a one-man band, came up with a recipe in his apartment in Collingwood and then literally used to take bottles round to bars. I think the Everly was one of the first bars to... Beautiful, ah, Everly. Is, yeah, yeah which which is known is as one of the top ten... Uh,
1: the Black Pearl and the Everly are in the top, top 10, 10, ten bars in the world. In the world, absolutely. So we're very lucky here.
0: Absolutely. So um, Andrew, as a winemaker, is a very patient guy, really didn't want to rush into producing another gin sort of straight away as, as the the industry was growing and really he's a very thoughtful person and wanted to really if he wanted to do another gin it was going to have to be pretty special so the way he makes his original gin is is fractional distilling which is like i mentioned earlier where the botanicals are distilled separately and then blended together which speaks to his winemaking background but this time he wanted to do something else and actually he's chosen the traditional method which is single shot which is what he has called the gin and single shot basically means that you put your alcohol in the bottom of your still um, so almost like a kettle and you put all the botanicals and ingredients in at the same time uh, and then you heat them up and alcohol uh, evaporates at 70 boils at 78 degrees so that comes over first isn't that often a method called bathtub gin Bathtub gin is not technically <laughs> distillation. It's where you have the...
1: We don't advise this at home, guys.
0: Well, you, can, you know, there you are some... I think Starwood Whiskey make a
2: bathtub gin. They do. and they, uh, Not at
1: home, though.
0: No. With no, the make remnants it at home. of
1: imperial leather soap floating around.
0: You can, you can do it at home. You can get a bottle of vodka and get some botanicals and just put it all in. A, a saucepan and heat it up? No, no, no. You just literally put it in and it sort of... Steeps. You know, steeps. Steeps. Wow. So that was bathtub gin. That's kind of more prohibition, where distillation right. was banned, obviously in the US. That was how they would. That make... worked out
1: well, didn't it? That was
0: yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, Andrew's gone for a... from
1: Canada. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Andrew's gone for a single shot, um, and he actually put it out to. Uh, Some awards before it was even available here, just because he wanted to see if he was going in the right direction. Oh, good on him! And he won double gold in San Francisco. Oh wow, huge achievement! Oh, good on him. So
2: when we tried it, some of the things that we commented on was the mouthfeel of the gin. Um, We also talked about. It was very smooth. It had a slight sweetness to it, but
0: not in a conventional flavour. And yep. um, then you mentioned that that's because it has honey. There's, there's two components, I think, to Andrew's gin that that do give a very beautiful mouthfeel. Partly, I think, because he's using grape based spirit, which is different, um, but also leatherwood honey and um, white grapefruit macadamia. Those kind of ingredients right. that he likes using. Mm. Um, and obviously, he's very, as a winemaker, he's very conscious of of that when he, he makes his gin and he's also a huge fan of martinis so he always mm. has that in his mind how right. will this gin how work in a martini yeah.
2: absolutely delicious I would love to Fantastic. try it in a martini
1: so what's your uh, preferred way of having a gin, being the gin queen what, what has your imprimatur?
0: when I, it depends what time of day it is, I do love a French 75 ok what's that That's, so it sounds
1: 70? very provocative
0: Um it's beautiful <laughs> Um it's gin lemon juice sugar syrup and champagne oh right and it's beautiful it's really kind of sort of you know if you don't really i'm not a huge champagne drinker but it's kind of quite celebratory Mm. and it's very refreshing um good
1: summer day drink good summer
0: day drink i do love a martini i Mm. do love a negroni Mm. um another popular gin drink cocktail you see is the aviator Yes. Aviation, yeah. Aviation.
2: And it's got purple maraschino, maraschino. cherry that is also delicious Very lovely. it's a little purple now of course there is one other uh gin that you brought in here from south australia which you mentioned is particularly special
0: this is um the juniper freak uh from uh never never distilling which i'm so excited so proud to see how they are doing they are uh, as most australian distilleries you know they run on the smell of an oily rag they're <laughs> really tiny they don't have super funds behind them there's three of them um up until recently they operating out of a sort of 120 square meters wow. uh, space, like literally like a little garage behind a uh, behind a brewery in Austra- uh, South Australia, um, and they, while they love and support Australian native ingredients, uh, they really really love juniper. Really Explain love juniper. what juniper
1: is, because not everybody knows.
0: I brought
1: some with me. Oh, <laughs> here's one I prepared earlier.
0: Wow, <laughs> this now, is like I a hope- morning talk show. I know. I hope you're- <laughs> I hope you're strong enough to open that, because I mm-hmm. couldn't open that earlier.
1: It's like, they look kind of like pepper.
0: Can you get it open? No.
1: Fiona, you might have to be with this. <laughs> I'm trying to open a jar on... Uh, luckily, this isn't uh, TV. It is quite...
0: Is it, it They look like peppercorns. OK, so everyone says juniper berries... Um, sorry. <laughs> I can't get it. We can look at them through oh, the jar. <laughs> You've loosened it for me. That's what happened. You made that look effortless. Um, so they are actually... I'll give you some, Fiona, to, to crush in your hand. They're called juniper berries, but they're actually... Seed pods, are they? Yeah, they're a, they're a conifer. So they're actually, if you squeeze them, there's three little seeds inside and you smell them.
2: Mm, and mm. that's where
0: all the, the flavour and aroma... So these grow... Um, Wild, you can't really cultivate them, although there are people trying to. Like brambles exactly yeah. like brambles um so they grow in macedonia bulgaria tuscany and they've oh. been sort of looked after by generations of families it's a bit like vines really they don't just mm. suddenly spring up they took hundreds of years um and families go out at harvest season and, and literally put a blanket around the the bush or the tree and they grow a bit like christmas trees and hit it with a stick and anything that drops oh. off is that year's harvest mm. and then they're taken away and dried for two years 2 years. Yeah, and then everything that's left on the tree, you leave for next year for the next year.
2: Wow. Well, I hope they're planting a lot more juniper trees because the increased uh, the increased uh, no, use of plenty. juniper. Oh, there's plenty. Yeah, oh, there's that's plenty. good to they know.
0: Don't. They just put their prices up when people get excited about juniper. Um, <laughs> but it's been used in medicine since the 14th century. It's referenced in Peeps' diaries as a. So, what did Peeps
1: write about it? What was it, it, it to cure? Good for digestion. digestive Digestive,
0: digestive, mm. um, and also you know the uh, plague doctors that used to have the mm. big, yes, the beaks, the beaks. <laughs> Juniper would be very often stuffed in the bottom of there because it was keeping away germs. Uh Ah. So, as I've always maintained, gin is actually good for you. It's medicinal.
2: (laughs) It is. Look, I agree uh, wholeheartedly in that regard. Well, we will have to go for one more little brief break and then I think that what we'd love to know is certainly um, the other, because, of course, Caroline's brought in four gins for us to taste and so far I'm only up to number two, Um, about to have number three. But we should probably talk about, you know, how do we see the future of gin? Because Mm. it's, you know, in Australia, for example.
1: And where you can go to see some of this stuff happen live. Surely someone's showing us how to make their gin. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station Joy 94.9. Today we have a conversation about mother's ruin. (laughs) <laughs> what used to be called Mother's Ruin, which is now probably the most fashionable mixer that you'll find all over um, Australia. Everywhere you go, there's a new interpretation of gin, and we're here with the Gin Queen, Caroline. Thank you very much for joining us you're today so on the Escape Hour. Fiona and I have been um, through this gin wardrobe, and we're <laughs> out of the closet now as gin lovers. Um, the, the, we were talking about juniper. You, you showed us juniper just before the, uh, the break, yeah, and. Now you showed us something from the Adelaide Hills, which is called Juniper Freak.
0: They really love Juniper, so (laughs) to the point of obsession. uh, Their original gin uh, is called Triple Juniper Gin. So not only did they put it in the pot, they also macerated it before distillation, which is where you just soak the Juniper in the alcohol, and they also vapor-infused it. So they really like their gin with a big... Juniper Punch they actually um, so I run a big gin festival called Junipalooza that happens well it used to happen at the meat market we've actually moved to a larger venue in the last weekend of October and oh they- where did you move to Ah, I can tell you. Maybe I will tell you. I haven't told anybody yet. Okay, it's good. Do it secret. here first. I will give you, you have an exclusive. Uh, we're actually <laughs> moving to Pier 1 in uh, Docklands. Oh, wow. Um, Fantastic. Because we completely outgrew the space and we want to support as many Australian distillers as possible. Mm. So we'll go from 2,500 people to 4,000 people, 4,000 gin lovers. We and might
1: have to get you back in s- before that so we can absolutely. talk about how exciting it is. Or maybe
0: you could come along and do a, a live broadcast. Really live <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> Plenty of room. We can do that. Yes. Um, Um,
1: But it's great that these are small local businesses because this is quite an artisan skill set. It's not like these are apps and, you know, it's all very um, uh, sort of tech. This is quite an old school thing. It's
0: very old school and it's, you know, like most countries, you know, the UK is the same. We don't actually manufacture that much in this country anymore. So it's it's beautiful to see people going back. And, And what's happened as well is not only are they making the gym but there's also now spin-off industries so suddenly people are, are building stills so we have a fantastic still maker in Tasmania called Peter Bailey who actually cannot keep up with production and um, you know there's people um coming up with other you know you're giving work to people who make labels you're giving work to Graphic so designers. Graphic they're designers and bottles. so many other. Oh, and then things. there's all the merch. Absolutely. The gin merch. So it's really yeah. inspiring. The yeah, it's really inspiring to see that sort of knock on effect.
1: Because another great Australian brand um, uh, in the sparkling. Uh, Water space. People like Cappy are really endorsing and embracing, and that's another Australian brand that started off very, very small. Very
0: small, and uh, again, it grew organically because of the
1: quality. And it's 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 a great source of uh, joy to know that there are so many people doing such great stuff in our town or in our country. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I think that's one of the wonderful things is that craft. In many many forms has really returned that you know craft beer craft spirits you know the craft of, of coffee so much of that seems to have returned to uh, uh to our marketplace and p- individuals doing great things and it's uh just a wonderful um antidote to the corporatization of so yeah, much of what is, we buy yeah.
0: which is uh, why it's such a shame that the distillers don't get as much support from the government as they. Well, but certainly. What's, yes. the, what's your
1: insight on that? You don't have to get political if you don't. No, no, no. It's, it's not political.
0: It's just a statement of fact. We are the uh, most taxed country in terms of alcohol mm. anywhere in the world. Wow. So, for example, on the bottles that you can see um, in front of me, they probably retail for between eighty and ninety dollars. Mm-hmm. Probably thirty-five dollars of that goes straight to the tax person. Um, yes, without so without sort of supporting um you know that not even factoring in warehousing you know cost of production anything like that, they have to give that away straight away so when you look at imports why why are other gins cheaper? It makes our gins look far more expensive and it 's not it 's just that they can 't cope you know they they have to make realistic prices because you know they're getting stiff does with the that tax. mean that it would be uh advantageous for an australian
2: craft gin company to sell their products overseas absolutely. where they won't have to pay absolutely. that absolutely
0: so that's why many uh brands particularly four pillars who i think are now in 15 markets overseas mm-hmm. um and starboard who are who are moving dramatically overseas as well um because they won't they won 't pay the tax, there have been some amazing uh, work done by the Australian Distillers Association lobbying uh, Canberra to support a growing thriving industry that creates jobs um, and in the last two years we 've seen some movement there in the sense that they now get a rebate uh, of one hundred thousand dollars that they can invest in their business, mm. but it 's still sort of a long way from really supporting what i think is a, an industry that we should be really really proud of mm.
2: Mm.
0: you know we win major medals overseas people you know know our brands
2: well like so many things uh, you know the governments are a little bit behind when it comes to really taking up uh you know the developing industries and you know the people power we're all you know creating and developing uh, way in advance of what can be achieved in in a slow moving government sort of bureaucratic situation uh but it is it it is exciting to see the support that that that, you know, the distillers and the brewers are getting from the community yeah. because people are looking beyond that to mm. see, you know, what, what's available and, the you know, a lot of bottle shops, of course, are supporting yeah. the locals as well, which is brilliant and then, of course, events like Junipalooza and then the other Junipalooza are, you know, getting the public more aware. So, it is marvellous. About, yeah,
1: talking about public awareness,
2: um, where can people
1: go to experience making of gin? Because I know that there's one on Smith Street, I think Sebastian Rayburn Yep, we've had him on, yeah yep. we've had him on a number of years ago yep. and he walked through um gin making experiences so people mm. could come and add their their personal twist to a batch
0: there's a, there's a few things that you can do um so i know fiona's talking to me earlier when we're taking a break uh, four pillars do gin masterclasses where you can actually make your own gin and where are they based they're based in Hillsville, right mm. um bass and Flinders, who i referred to earlier who had now just recently moved to germano you can go and make your own gin there in a in a blending way, um, but I think it's worth seeking out those gin distilleries with cellar doors. So mm-hmm. the other gin that I bought, Brogan's Way Distillery, is just recently opened in Richmond, um, and you can go along there and see the still and, and inner do, city. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. fifteen minutes from the station. Um, and Brogan is fantastic. She's one of our youngest distillers, but super. And oh, she's a woman. Yeah. How many women are distillers? <sighs> Not as many as I'd like. Mm. Um, yeah, there's. I'm doing something for International Women's Day, which will showcase a few of those. There's probably there's more in whiskey, I think, but there's probably oh, okay. half a dozen here. Yeah. And I saw on the interwebby that you were taking
2: a tour of Tasmanian gin distilleries. I am. I'm so
0: excited. I looked at the ticket sale today and it's nearly gone. But yes, we're doing three different um, distilleries, yep. all very different ones by the beach, One's just outside Hobart and one is at a fabulous uh, conservation property um, called Sheen Estate who make poltergeist gin. Uh, poltergeist very, gin? I know, very spooky. So, some really very spooky. spooky. So
1: what's that full of? Junaboo you know berries.
0: Ah, oh. <laughs> very good. Juniper.
1: <Boo-na-ba. laughs>
0: very good. Um, yes.
1: Juniper. <laughs> so why is it called Poltergeist? Do you know? Yet? Or is that because, something you're going to find out when you? No,
0: there? no, no. Because when they were, um, it's a very, very old building that was oh. owned by one of the the governors. But there's actually uh, witches marks. So witches oh. they used to burn things against buildings to sort of ward away spirits and there's actually hexafoil a hexafoil is a sort of again to keep away evil spirits hexafoils etched into the walls of the building oh, so wow. obviously you know this idea of witchcraft um and yeah there's just it's just a little bit spooky
2: uh caroline look i have a bit of a uh, reader a uh, listener feedback of oh. which i would like to share with you thank you Gin and tax. So Chris says, is that why when you're in a bar in New York, you ask for a gin and tonic, the gin is poured on top of the glass with a tiny bit of tonic? Lol. <laughs> and it's the other way
0: around here. Tax? Question mark. No, I Jeez, don't... Chris. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we have responsible serving of alcohol. Uh, we, do the, <laughs> we do not have free pours. We do not have free pours. <laughs> they do in America. And they they do sure America. do. Um, but in America, the taxation is like a dollar a litre. on on booze it's it's well i mean you can go
2: to a supermarket and buy a two liter bottle of vodka for 12 american dollars and what's
0: even more upsetting is you can go to new york and you can buy a bottle of four pillars and it will cost you less than it will to buy it here which just seems nonsense to me that is i mean i'm sure all we can do is hope that there will be changes afoot but we are so
2: used to paying so much money for booze in australia we always have uh for you know generic mass market products that are being shipped here from other countries we're always used to being paying a lot of money so i guess we're somewhat attuned to it but um, hopefully with the increased rise of local production and local industry, they might actually,
0: the government might
2: be able to see their way through to making some changes. Absolutely.
0: And I think, you know, when you are in a bottle shop, you know, and you're looking around and you're thinking about, you know, what sort of gin you'd like to buy, you know, do give a thought to, to supporting an Australian business and buying a, a bottle of Australian gin.
1: You're listening to a Joycast from GLB, TIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. Fiona, what have you learned about gin today that you didn't know before?
2: Well, I didn't know uh, um, that uh, a little bit of that history about the juniper, the Dutch was it, the Dutch drink, Universe. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, that okay. was good. I did know a lot about those awful taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't ha- uh, I had heard about the ant gin, but I hadn't tried it. So I've experienced that. And also, of course, that you know the incredible industry and it grows and grows and the insider information that Caroline's been giving us about the individual uh, gin distillers and their background is really fascinating because it talks to the many areas of experience that people bring to gin making uh, which is really fantastic now, I mean, I actually am booked into a Four Pillars gin making class. Are you? Yeah, in about two weeks, which means I won't be here for one show. Because so you'll be I, learning to make your own I'll gin. I'll be learning to make some, some gin with my partner. And um, I'm suggesting that we certainly stay the night in Healesville, which is what yeah. we've done in the past when we visit the lovely Absolutely. Four Pillars. And Tasmania, you know, I was down there recently. It's a fantastic uh, venue, and we went to a a uh, place in Brittany Island that had 66 different Tasmanian gins. Fantastic. Which was incredible.
1: Yeah, fascinating. Mm. 66 is a lot. So what gin queen, what is the most interesting combination of flavors you've seen uh, in gins the, or the most striking?
0: Oh, that's a really good question because as much as I love innovation, sometimes uh, I've tasted gins where I think that People have tried to include too many ingredients, and I feel like they've strayed Confused. too. F- yeah, and they've strayed too far from really what gin is, which is you know gin- it has juniper in it. So we're talking about licorice and yeah. Just sometimes the balance isn't there, and that can sometimes just be a technical yeah a technical <laughs> thing. I think. Um, I really love Juniper forward gins, and I know that's not for everybody. So when I look at those other more contemporary styles, I just look at them and think, well, it's not what I would drink. But if it's bringing more people to the gin category, then there's something out there for everyone. And, you know, people come up to me and say, oh, I don't like gin. Um, and I just always say, you just haven't found the right gin for you because yeah, right. I do think that there's 6,000 out there, you know. Right. There's got to be a gin for you. And what's your favourite? Oh, you can't ask me that. No, it's something like it's your like children. My children. <laughs> um, it very much depends on what I'm drinking. But actually,
1: I should rephrase that. What's your favourite way to drink gin? You were talking before. You like martini. You do martini like seventy five. Yeah,
0: um, I do like gin and ginger beer. Actually, I oh, love right. gin and oh, tonic. Yes. I'm gin, a bit of a fan yeah. of gin and ginger. Gin and ginger with some spanked mint is super refreshing. <laughs> and, I knew, and flirty. I knew, I knew you'd Glad like that. Flirty. <laughs> um, is beautiful on a, a really, really hot summer's day. And gin and soda, if you're if you you know if you're watching mm. a sugar intake, gin and soda is divine. Thank you very much. You've given me a lot of inspiration for
1: this Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Learned a lot about gin. Yeah. Thank you very much to the gin Absolutely. queen for joining us. Absolutely,
2: Caroline, thank you for coming in. Thank We've had so a great much time. For me.
1: Thank you for listening to a joycast from Joy 94.9.